today in Lockdown Red Wings. Who's your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. I am your host, Brian Fisher. I am a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio 950. And um, as you can see, I'm solo today. Scotty could not make it. He had a long drive uh, to where he is going. So it's going to be me solo today. But you know what, guys? I think we're going to be just okay as the Red Wings beat the Nashville Predators 3 to nothing at home on the back of an incredible Incredible performance from Billy Huso. A 26 save shutout, I believe it was. I'll double check on that number right now. 26 save shutout for Billy Huso. But man, and I'm going to get into Billy Huso. He's going to be like the entirety of this first segment, probably. This was Scotty and I talked a lot about what the team needed to do to win this hockey game because we stated that the Nashville Predators were probably around the same quality hockey team that the Detroit Red Wings were just on the opposite heading in the opposite direction. The Red Wings are on the way up and the Predators were on the way down, but they're kind of meeting in the middle here at the moment. They've got good, great goaltending. They both have decent defenses. I mean, I would argue that Predators probably have better overall individual defensemen. I mean, they got Roman Yossi and he's incredible and they traded for Ryan McDonough. What he's got left in the, in the tank. He's had a phenomenal career. Um, and you got a couple guys who can score goals. Obviously, Forsberg, you'll see again, can score goals. And Lincoln in, uh, in net has been solid as a backup, but he was again in this game. So it was a game where having won two in a row, this was going to be a real, okay, a real test to see, can you beat teams that are of your quality or better and not just beat up on the teams that are worse than you? And they went out there and they did that. It wasn't perfect. I'm not trying to say it was, but there was a lot of things to love in this hockey game. And first and foremost, guys, Billy Huso in net. He's had, what, maybe two bad games thus far this season. Since then, Billy Huso has been absolutely lights out for the Detroit Red Wings. And he has deserved every minute of ice time he's getting. And I know at some point, you're going to have to sit him just so, you know, he could get some rest because everyone needs rest eventually. Give Nadelkovich a start. Plus, Nadelkovich could use the confidence booster, but he's playing so hot right now. I mean, if, as long as he says he's good to go, throw him out there against the Coyotes on Friday, especially against the Coyotes. You would think maybe that'd be a great game for Ned to get a start in, and he might. But Hoos has been playing so well. And again, the Red Wings played well in a lot of different facets in this game. And I thought that the five on five was fairly even after the first period, but evidently not so much. Um, once you look at the numbers, the Predators actually at five on five pretty much dominated the scoring, uh, sh shooting attempts and the quality shooting attempts at the, in this game. And Billy Huso stood on his side. Obviously we know that. And this is one of those games too, where you look at the total shot total against your goalie and you go, Oh, we only stopped 26. We only stopped 26. Like that's, that's decent, but that's not a ton. He wasn't really tested. No, he was tested in this game because as I just stated, the Predators had the bulk of the uh, quality scoring attempts, shooting attempts in this game. They dominated with a 57.31% through 
the entire game and period by period in the first two periods, they had a 76.96 and a 71.24% advantage in expected goals for percentage at five on five at five on five. They dominated. So 26 shots against is deceiving because the quality of the saves he was making in this game was abs cannot be, cannot be overstated. He had a goal saved above expected. Remember, he allowed zero goals in this game. How could you forget? He allowed zero goals in this game. His goal saved above expected in this game, guys. 3.74. Based on the quality scoring chances and the quality shot attempts that the Nashville Predators had, they should have scored almost four goals in this game. And he allowed zero. Billy Huso is reason number one why the Detroit Red Wings won this hockey game. And every other reason is way down here. There were other great moments too. Obviously, Larkin's goal was a big moment. Kronik staying hot is another big moment. They killed off a huge five on three as well. Those are huge moments that help accumulate to this win. But none of it happens without Vili Huso being on the top of his game. He came into this game riding a 916 save percentage. I'd be very curious to see where it's at now after another 26 goals saved. 26 shots saved, rather. He is number one reason why this team is succeeding. He's the number one reason why at Thanksgiving, this team is 10, 5, and 4 with a three-game winning streak, and third in the Atlantic Division. Billy Huso is the reason why your team is currently, at Thanksgiving, sitting in a playoff spot. Not a wild card spot, a divisional playoff spot above the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sustainability is a big question. We can't lean on Billy Huso throughout the entire season to be the reason why this team wins hockey games. But to have a goaltender be able to go out there and steal you games is a huge proponent that helps teams make playoff pushes. And at Thanksgiving, to have to be five games above 500, if you look at just the win-loss record, and have a point percentage of, I don't know, I'm not going to do the quick math, but you know they have 10 regulation wins and four overtime losses, their point percentage is well above the 500 mark. And Vili Huso is one of the number one reasons. Reason number two, why the Detroit Red Wings are playing as well as they are, is Dylan Larkin continues to prove that he deserves the bag. He is securing the bag every single game he goes out there. He, in this game, scored the opening goal for the 14th time since the beginning of last season. That is the most out of any player in the NHL. 14 game opening goals. That takes into account the other team as well. 14. Dylan Larkin is the captain of this hockey team. And anyone who says he's not a 1C is wrong. It's not objective. It's not subjective. They're wrong. If you want to talk about whether or not he is like elite level, that's open for debate. Is he Connor McDavid? No. Is he Austin Matthews? Absolutely not. But he is a Dylan freaking Larkin, and he is the captain of this team. He is the 1C of this team, and he, without Dylan Larkin's goal, the offense never gets it going in this game. He may, took a play that was broken in the neutral zone 
got possession, skated down the wing, and just absolutely picked his corner over the shoulder of the goaltender. And just Dylan Larkin is him. As Scotty would say, he is him. He's got that dog in him. And I'm getting comments in our YouTube channel, and everyone's this when it comes to contract status, you're all allowed to have your own opinion. But Dylan Larkin is absolutely going to get somewhere between nine and 10 million at least. I would not be comfortable going over 10, and I'll be freely admitting that. But if you think he's getting less than nine million a year, especially with what comparables comparables are out there, especially after um, the Islanders player Barzal signed his contract, you're 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 out of your mind. He's getting between nine and ten million with the Red Wings, and then not with the Red Wings, it's somewhere else. Especially if he hits free agency. If he hits free agency, which God forbid he does, I hope he doesn't. He's getting more than that. Dylan Larkin, every step of the way, he's off to an even better start this year than he was last year. You know, coming into this game, he had 22 points in 18 games played. He had another goal tonight. Now he's got 23 points in 19 games played. He's got nine goals and 14 assists. That's a hotter start than he had to last year. And last year, he was over a point per game. The only reason he didn't finish over a point per game and smash his career high is because he got hurt. Dylan Larkin last season was proving that he can be that in one C. And this season so far, he's proved even more so. So Vili Huso is reason number one why this team won this hockey game. He put this team on his back, saving shot after shot after shot, 3.7 full four goals saved above expected. But Dylan Larkin igniting the offense for another game and something that he does night in and night out. Without Dylan Larkin as the spark plug of this offense, you don't win as many hockey games as you do. And that's just not subjective. That is an objective fact. They have a three-game winning streak. After a four-game losing streak, they've come back. They've bounced back. And yeah, two of those wins were against bottom feeder teams. And that's why this game was important, to prove against, prove that you can win against teams that are of your caliber, if not better. And they did. And like I said, going into the Thanksgiving, well, not really a Thanksgiving Day break, but you're going into Thanksgiving in third place in the Atlantic Division. One game shy of the 25, we're 25% of the way through the season already, guys. And the Red Wings are third place in the Atlantic Division. And I'm not sitting here and saying they're going to make the playoffs because I know better. Their five-on-five play is still atrocious, and I'll talk about that in segment two coming up. But if not for the acquisitions made in the offseason, like Vili Husso, like Kubelik, like Perron, who didn't show up on the score sheet today, but without those types of acquisitions and without Dylan Larkin, having the motor and the drive that he does. This team is not in the position they are right now. And I'm just feeling good. It was a great game, guys. It was a great win. Three-game winning streak, man. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll continue this conversation on the other side of this break. But first, I do got to talk to you guys today about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And if you love podcasts, you can find those over at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use that mobile device of yours to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. 
that's going to be the thing I miss the most about not having Scotty on this episode as we head into segment two here of Lockdown Red Wings is that he's not here to scream bet online at the end of the episode. Who Am I going to have to do it myself? Some awkward reverb? No. But yes, segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast, guys. And listen, Red Wings won three to nothing. Three-game winning streak. That is phenomenal stuff. I love to see it. And they played pretty good. The the other big, there, there are two other big things that happened in this game. And I touched on it in segment one. That five-on-three penalty kill was absolutely huge. You had your top-pairing defenseman go into the box nearly back-to-back, almost two minutes on the penalty kill. Sherratt and Sider. Well, Sider first, then Sherratt. The five-on-three came out, and they killed it. And again, Huso making two back-to-back huge saves, which he became a trend as the night went on, was vital to that. But the defense played well as in that penalty kill as well, and I thought the defense played better as the night went on. So that was a huge moment as well as that, following the first goal that Dylan Larkin scored was a huge momentum swinger. I felt for the Red Wings as they, I thought after that they started playing a lot more aggressive in the offensive zone. And with the four check, the other big moment obviously was when they got the power play goal of their own. We knew going into this game that Nashville is one of the most penalized teams in the league. We knew that. And we knew that their penalty kill was one of the best in the league too. So it was one of those like, okay, well, they're really penalized, but they also are really good at killing off penalties. So it's almost like they can afford to. Well, they couldn't afford to in this game against the Detroit Red Wings because that power play unit one and power play unit two for the Detroit Red Wings, when they don't score, they're still generating an, an amazing amount of chances, numerous amount of chances. PV1 especially um, with Kubalik, Peron, and Larkin, which is ironically your line number one as well right now. And they generated a ton of offense in this game. But it was actually power play line two that got the goal. And Bergeron, after getting the puck off a of scrum with his family in attendance, passed that puck up to Phil Peronic, who's been on an absolute tear recently. Absolute tear. I mean, was it two goals in the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, one goal against the San Jose Sharks? He scored another goal from the point, absolute rocket of a slap shot with really good accuracy. And that's the thing I want to highlight here, too, because Peronic. Previous to this season, and mind you, he's on pace for a career high in points, and he's, what is it? Now, he had a goal and an assist in this game, I think. If I double-check here, a goal and an assist in this game. So he had an assist on Dylan Larkin's goal as well, or maybe it was Rasmussen's empty netter. I can double-check that one as well for you guys. Maybe, possibly. I'm going to lose momentum. No! Um, It was on Rasmussen's empty net goal at the end of the game. But Phil Peronik... His slap shot accuracy has improved immensely. And now in the season, coming into the game, he had he was fourth on the team in points with 14 and 18 games played. Now he's got 16 and 19 games played with five goals and 11 assists. He's on an absolute tear. And a lot of that couldn't have been achieved without him changing his stick. He's got a new curve. He's got a new blade shape. He's now rocking. And I, I confirmed this with a buddy of mine who is... um in the organization. So he, he works in the arena, not, not for the Red Wings themselves, but he works a lot with equipment. He got a, he confirmed that Phil Pronick has switched to a P28 curve, which is kind of insane that that makes him more accurate in a sense, and has gone away from the square toe to a rounded toe. And that could be evidence as to why he's more accurate with his slap shots and his wrist shots, or it could just be a placebo effect. But either way, new stick, new look, new Hronik. He's red hot, 
or as a lot of people on the internet like to call him, Red Hot. He has been the best, the best asset the Red Wings have had in the back end this season. I just said it. I just said that. Philip Peronic, who night in and night out, Scotty and I are critical of his defense. But when you pair him with Olimata, who is a defensive safety net, that pair has been more effective than Sherratt and Sider this season. And Sider's coming into his own. He's finally starting to turn it on. He was the best defenseman, I think, in this uh, in this game. That of the second best defenseman in this game. No, he was the best defenseman in this game when it came to possession metrics, expected goals for percentage. He was the best. But Hronik's had the biggest impact. He's gotten the most points, and that's not everything. But like I said, with that defensive safety, none of Hero, uh, Olimata, which is exactly why he was signed and paired with Philip Hronik, so they evened each other's abilities out. They've been the most effective pair for the uh, Detroit Red Wings, and Philip Hronik is having a fantastic season, especially on the score sheet. Defensively, yeah, there's still a lot to be left, a uh, uh, lot to be, lot left to be wanted out of his defense for sure, but he has been great. Michael Rasmussen got the empty net goal at the end of the game. He just decided to shoot it. Good, because I didn't want him to risk that pass. And, uh, you know, he deserved it. I thought he played a really good game as well. Uh, other shout-outs include, obviously, Perron. Pew Suter thought played really well again. I think he's he's a much better wing than he is a center. Uh, Jonathan Bergeron, I thought, played good. He got that assist. Uh, Adam Ernie had a good game, especially in the corners. I think he was really good at winning those puck battles. But overall, I thought it was a good game with exception to five-on-five play. I talked about it in the first uh, segment, but outside the third period, the Predators rolled over the Red Wings at five-on-five when it came to shot attempts and quality shot attempts. Obviously, goals is what matters in the end. This game in particular, the five-on-five was pretty much all Predators, and the game was won off your special teams, which is normal, your goalie, which is normal, and your goals off the rush, which is exactly how you win every hockey game. <laughs> and I'm not going to complain too much because you won and you're on a three-game winning streak, and you those are important assets to have in a successful hockey team. But I do want to see more out of the five-on-five five because you cannot be getting only 30% share of shot attempts. Not quality shot attempts, mind you. Shot attempts in general in a given period. And they did that for two straight periods. In the third period, they had the advantage. It was a 58% expected goals for percentage at five on five, but that doesn't make up for 23% expected goals for percentage and 28% expected goals for percentage in the first and second period. And not to say that the Predators were establishing great five on five opportunities either. They were getting a lot of opportunities off the rush as well. In the first period, especially, it was a hard hit in hockey game all game long. There was just tons of physicality. Sider laid out a guy um, in the third period, <laughs> had him hurting a little bit. Clean hit, though, thankfully. But you also have to get in the zone off a rush and then stay in the zone to establish that five-on-five -five presence and that oppression. And I'm not going to dwell on it too much because Scotty and I have talked about it on end that this is a problem for the team. But if you want to win games against teams that are above your caliber, because after this game against the Coyotes, it's going to start getting tougher again. You got Toronto on Saturday, and I think you have the Vegas Golden Knights next week as well. You got to start playing good five on five hockey. And those are going to be real tests to see how what you can do. You've beaten good teams this season. Don't get me wrong. You beat the Devils off bad goaltending because they dominated you at five on five. And you beat the Capitals twice. So you have beaten good teams, but to beat the really good teams, you got to play them well at five on five. And the Red Wings, again, in this game, did not do that. 
They won off the back of, like I said, the things they do well. Special teams, perfect penalty kill. Got a goal in the power play. Scored a goal off the rush. Great goaltending. Those are good supplemental things to have. But you got to have a basis of good five-on-five if you want to be a successful team in this league. So that was something that bummed me out. It didn't, it didn't, it wasn't perfect. Um, other thing that bummed me out is the second line. I don't think produced a lot of offense at all. First line, Larkin, Perron, and Kubelik play every shift at five on five like it's a power play. <laughs> line two, however, they're as a line with nine minutes on the ice together in this game had an expected goals for percentage of 19%. Compare that to the top line of Larkin, Kubelik, and Perron, they had an expected goals for percentage of 76.35. So while you struck gold with this makeshift line one, which is this, now your second game in a row running um, Kubelik, Larkin, and Perron, because you ran that in the game against Columbus and, you know, you beat them six to one, you've struck gold there. Line two is was your worst team on the ice in terms of producing scoring attempts and stopping scoring attempts for. And last night I talked about how Raymond Kopp and Bertuzzi line two was more defensive than line one. Not in this game. Expected goals against was 0.74. Well, Larkin's line was 0.14 for expected goals against. So line two was a disappointment for sure, but I'm not panicking too much because it does take time for people to find chemistry. And again, the Red Wings won three to nothing. So in the end, flaws for sure. Absolutely. Same flaws we've seen, but Red Wings are hot right now. Three game winning streak. Um, three, you know, one, three to nothing. Third in the Atlantic Division, 10, 5, and 4. Not much to be upset about. Really, not much to be upset about. I'm really happy and I'm really excited that Billy Huso has turned a third round draft pick into what is looking like a bona fide starter, not even a 1A, just a bona fide starter. So that about does it for that conversation. But when we come back, I'm going to talk to you guys about the game on Friday because. I'm not going to, if I did a get episode Friday, it would be recorded on Thanksgiving and I'm not going to do that. So we'll be back in just a second to talk to you guys about the game on Friday against the Arizona Coyotes. Segment three, Locked On Red Wings podcast. So you're going back to LCA's, your game two on a five game homestand to play the Arizona Coyotes. They're currently eighth in the Central Division, 6-9-2, one of the worst teams in hockey. Now, if this was Brian of last year, he would have come in here and said, you should walk all over the Coyotes. They're garbage. They're the worst, one of the worst teams in the league. And that last part still remains true. They are one of the worst teams in the league. But then Brian witnessed his Red Wings team lose 9 to Two, nine to one, something ludicrous like that. So I am not going to come here and tell you guys that the Red Wings should roll all over them, that they should trash the Coyotes, because I know better than that. This is the NHL, and more so than in any sport, luck plays a factor, because you got, you're playing on ice, you got vulcanized rubber as a puck, so it bounces like crazy, and you got boards, so things don't go out of bounds to just stop play dead. There's a lot of luck involved, and there's a lot of skill involved. When you mix those two things together, you get games like the Arizona Coyotes just played where they beat the Carolina Hurricanes 4 to nothing. So 
I don't want to come in here and undersell the Arizona Coyotes, despite them being last place in their division. Clayton Keller has 18 points in 17 games played. He is leading their leading score with over a point per game, despite being a minus nine. He, then after that, you got Matthias McKelly, Michelli, 11 points in 17 games played. So you already see a steep drop off in production for the Arizona Coyotes after that first guy. Goaltending is a bit shaky. If you go with Carell, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna try my best here. Vizmelka and Net, you have a save percentage of 909. 909 and a goals against per game of 3.23. If you get Connor Ingram, who's played just half as many games as Carell at six, he's got a goals against average of four and a save percentage of 885. So while Carell seems to be their more consistent goaltender in that, he is not by any means a world beater. He's not going to stonewall any particular team. And their defense gives up a ton of shots per game. I mean, if you have a 909 save percentage, but your goals against is almost at three and a half, that screams to me that your team gives up a lot of shots per game. And this shouldn't be news to anyone because the Red Wings, this is a game like the Columbus Blue Jackets where the Red Wings, oh my God, I'm going to say it, even though I said I wasn't going to say it. The Red Wings, based on who they have on their roster, the fact that they're on at home and they are riding a three-game winning streak, should beat the Arizona Coyotes. I won't say dominate, because I know better, but they should beat the Arizona Coyotes. This should become a four-game winning streak. But, like I said, it's hockey and anything is possible. The Arizona Coyotes this season, they're playing out of a college rink. So, their home games don't even really feel like home games to them. So, when you're talking about the Coyotes, there's just... There's not a lot to say besides go out there and do your dang job. This is a perfect game to get that five-on-five five domination like you saw against Columbus. And then also do the things you're also you're really good at, which is scoring off the rush, power play, penalty kill. And if you start Nadelkovic, great. It'll be a bounce-back game for him. If you don't, Huso is going to go in that and you know what you're getting. And you're going to get a goalie who's going to give you an opportunity to win every single night. This is a game that the Red Wings should win. I won't say dominate because I know better, but this is a game they should win and get a four-game winning streak and just continue to roll as their schedule begins to toughen up. Now, when we talk about goaltending, there is other news as well. The Detroit Red, Red Wings picked up off waivers, and I said it wasn't going to happen. I didn't say it on the airwaves, but I've been going back and forth with a couple of commenters who asked me if the Red Wings would pick up Magnus Helberg off waivers from the Seattle Kraken. And if you guys remember, Helberg had the sickest pads in the league, and he played one game with the Detroit Red Wings. They signed him from Europe last season with 20 games left to a one-year contract. And that one year was last year, so it was only good for 20 games. He played the final game of the season. I think it was against the Devils. And had a save percentage that was sub 900 in that game. He didn't look, look awful. He didn't look great either. Neither team had anything to play for. It was whatever. They gave him a, sh a start because they signed him for 20 games. And they're like, well, we should. Like, you'd feel like crap if you didn't give him any time to, to play at all. But after that, he was gone. He was a UFA. He got picked up by the Seattle Kraken. Got new, incredibly sick pads. Played a couple games. Got put on waivers. Got picked up by Ottawa. Won one game, had sick pads, got put on waivers, 
It got claimed again by Seattle, then got put on waivers, and is now claimed again by the Detroit Red Wings. Now, I'm seeing on Twitter, as I'm talking to you guys, that, and it's uh, via da- Daniela Bruce, as we all know and love. She says that Lalone said that in conversations with Iserman, so she said, Lalone said, Iserman said, that they picked up Helberg in case an injury happens. Not that an injury has happened or a trade is incoming, but because they're just future-proofing in case an injury does happen. And they do have roster space to carry a third goalie if they so choose. That's fine. I still don't think it makes a lot of tra- sense. I know they, I think they just sent Bratstrom from Grand Rapids to the ECHL. But if you try to send Magnus Helberg to Grand Rapids, he'd have to go on waivers. And then Seattle, who has now had him twice and clearly wants him in their organization, would just claim him back off waivers again. And at that point, they don't have to put him back on waivers to send him down to the AHL. So you claimed him, and he has to play. He doesn't have to play, but he has to be on the NHL roster, which is fine. But I just, it doesn't hurt anything to have picked him up. I just don't necessarily know if it was necessary. But as far as far as that goes, I wonder if he's going to get a new set of sick pads for the Red Wings, or if he's going to go back with the uh, Bryans he had last year which were obviously the the wing of the winged wheel going up his pads on his his pads and his blocker and his glove, which looked phenomenal. Because he only got one game's use out of them. I don't know if he still has them or not. But that's something to consider as well. But Magnus Helberg, back with the organization. Um, Oscar Sundquist, 300 games played. So there you go, guys. Um, let me see here, look over my notes, see if I missed anything that I wanted to bring up. But I'm pretty sure that about covers it for this one. Uh, oh, I guess here's another one. Phil Peronik, he has five goals, two assists for seven points in his last five games played. So a little anecdote, another further anecdote about how well Phil Peronik's playing. Well, that about does it for me, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you enjoyed the solo, Brian. And uh, we will be back on Monday, recapping the Arizona Coyotes game. And then to preview the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So stay tuned. Same time, same place. It's your team every day.